Hello, it's time for another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host, as always, Michael Block. Did you leave us a five-star review on iTunes yet? Probably not. So hit pause and get on it. Make sure you subscribe while you're at it. And as always, follow us on Twitter and visit theaterinthenow.com for the latest news, reviews, and interviews. So before we begin, I have a quick little plug to give. If you are listening to this and it's before Friday night, uh, February 2nd at 11 p.m., come down to Boots and Saddle for another edition of Femme Fatale with Bijou, Poppy, and Vanadu. Because I'm producing it, it's going to be so much fun, and I love those girls, and it's going to be great. And now, back to the show. We are here today with Jensen Clifford. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing today? Pretty good. good. Um, I'm not happy that it's gotten cold again. Uh, what was that? I know I'm in long. I'm in long underwear again because it's 20 degrees outside. It's ridiculous. Nonsense. I don't. I don't like it. This is how people get sick. <laughs> I've, I've, I say this multiple times. I, this is homophobic. I feel personally attacked. Yeah. There's so much going on right now. I'm just ready for spring. Hopefully <laughs> on Friday we will get an answer if we get like six more weeks of winter exactly. or what. And if so, um, then I'm going to have Groundhog for lunch that day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're going to learn everything there is to know about you. Oh, good. Are you ready to share? I'm ready to share. Let's Great. do it. Let's dive right in. So where are you from? Born and raised in Mesa, Arizona. Nice. So just east of the Phoenix area. but in the or, Yeah, east of Phoenix in the general Phoenix area. Very cool. And what so, was it like growing up in Arizona? I loved it. It's... I didn't realize, growing up, I hated how brown it was, and I hated how hot it was. And now that I live on the East Coast, whenever I go back, I'm like, oh, it's so warm and beautiful, and oh, look at these gorgeous shades of brown everywhere. Like, it's very funny. That you, like, you fully don't appreciate while you're there. What's the biggest misconception us East Coasters have about Arizona? I think people just don't realize how spread out it is. And a lot of people think that Vegas is a lot closer than it actually is. I sure. would do shows out there. We have people come in from out of town, like, on contracts to do the shows. They'd be like, guys, we're going to go to Vegas one weekend. I'm like, that's a nine-hour drive. Damn, that's a long It's trip. a nine-hour drive. That's a day. That's a plus. day. You can go to California. It's faster. Crazy. California's only six hours away. You can go to the beach. So where in California would that land you? Uh, in six hours, Orange County. Disneyland. Okay. Oh, You can okay. get to Disneyland in six hours. I dig it. I dig that. I know. I know, I do that over Vegas, but everyone's like, Vegas! Like, no. I would take so, Disney every day of the week. Amen. Amen to that. So where did you go to school? Uh, went to college at Eastern Arizona College. Tiny school in a tiny town. Um, home of the fighting Gila monsters. Which, of course. Which naturally. is the best, it's the best, weirdest mascot ever. And I love that Alyssa Edwards constantly says it on Drag Race. She's like, Gila monster! And I'm like, that's amazing. Like, I, she's letting the Gila monster be known. Because it's in the Gila Valley, where the Gila monsters originate from. Have you seen one? I have seen one, but only, like, behind a cage. I haven't seen one out in the wild. But they're mean. Are they, they are mean little suckers. They're essentially the American version of a um, of a kimono dragon. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah, so they're about, they're, like, a, maybe, like, a foot to two feet long. They're, like, these thick, mean little, like, if you ever come across one in the desert, run away, because it will bite you and they're poisonous. So, like, is, are you supposed to, like diagonally run or like, um but just just don't piss like if you come across it just back up just don't piss okay. it off leave it alone so yeah. it's not something you would have as a pet no 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 so what did you study at school i studied i was a theater major but on a music scholarship interesting and i also took dance so it was my own musical theater major great so i kind of made it up 
on my own. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And what brought you to New York City? I have been planning to move to New York City since I was about three years old. Um, I remember watching Sesame Street, being like, oh, I'm moving to New York, and this is how life goes in New York. I remember, like, they'd be like, oh, we're going to do the laundry. And they'd show how, like, New Yorkers, like, they're like, oh, we sort the clothes. And then we take everything down to the laundromat. And then we do this, that. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, laundromats. Okay. Like, that's been all, like. And you can walk there. You can you, walk you there. Have you have a car. You, like, get your little granny cart, put your laundry in it. You're good to go. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So Sesame Street is what brought you to New York. Fully. 100%. That's Absolutely. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> what was life like adjusting to the Big Apple? I I loved it. I, I've been tra- training myself. Like I've been, I remember looking at like Craigslist ads of apartments, like a w- well into like a year before I moved here. Oh, crazy! Just to like get myself mentally prepared to like, here's what you're going to expect. I remember at one point I needed to switch my bank, so I intentionally switched it to Chase because I knew there was a Chase on every corner in Manhattan. Sure. Because I visited like, once, and I was like, like a Starbucks. I was like, there's Chase banks everywhere. Great. I'll always have a bank nearby. Like It was like those weird the weird life decisions I started making in college. Now, now like, when you were looking at apartments, were you like, I want that apartment and get your heart set on something? No, not at all. No. When I fully moved here, it was I found a thing through like... So I grew up born and raised Mormon, and so there's like a LDS Mormon housing list. For like single Mormons, which was really great. And so I was on that list also about a year before to just get the general concept of, you know, how much everything, what I'm I'm to to expect. And I found a place um, that was in Williamsburg. I never heard of Williamsburg. I didn't know Williamsburg. I was like, great, sure, that works. 700 bucks a month for my own little teeny tiny room. That was technically an entryway. (laughs) Um, Because if I like stood, so I'm 6'3", for those who don't know. If I laid on my bed with my hands and my feet spread, I could touch both ends of the room. Damn. It was tiny. So, like, my bed was in there and a bookcase and, like, a little table that had some stuff on it. And then outside the room was, like, my closet and a dresser. So it was a shared room slash I could close it to go to sleep at night. Like, it was, it was you know, it's classic New, New York. But I went there literally the day before it became the coolest place on earth to live. And was two years later was completely priced out of my apartment. Damn. They, they moved, they jacked up the rent um, by 25% each, each year. So it was double what I initially it's crazy it was nuts yeah not, it was not crazy. cool not cool New York not cool New York so I want to talk a little bit about growing up Mormon mm-hmm. what was that like for you I I loved it because there were so many Mormons where I was um so in my high school there was 3,000 kids 1,000 of which were Mormon okay so which is a lot a third of the school and it was great because I kind of flew under the radar because I wasn't out yet I wasn't get, you know I'm gay for those who might not know um I I was able to fly under the radar because musical theater is something that's really accepted in the Mormon community. Everybody okay. knows Seven Brides for Seven Brothers and everybody course, knows Annie course. and Sound of Music. And so you could kind of fly under the radar a little bit of being like, oh my gosh, did you see My Fair Lady? And they're like, yeah, it was great. You know, you would see the national tours and you would see and then people would be like, I think he's just really into choir. And so I really flew under the radar. So I liked it for that. Um, but I also didn't know another way. I remember when I was about 10, my dad made some reference of him like, oh, Mesa Mormons. And I was like, oh, are there a lot of Mormons in Mesa? And both my parents, my dad had grown up in Tempe and there was far less, which is right next to Mesa. My mom had grown up in Southern California in Orange County. And, um, and there was none, like there's two other Mormons in her whole high school. And they both looked at me like I was insane. And they're like, yes, there's so many Mormons here. And I was like, I had no idea. So yeah, but I liked it. So in a way, like the arts were an escape for you. The arts were for sure an escape for me. Absolutely. Yeah. So you decide to pursue it in college. Mm-hmm. You come to New York. What was it like 
hitting the grind and trying to be a working actor. It was... It was amazing. Like, it's what I wanted to do. So I started working right out of college. I started working at the Broadway Palm Dinner Theater. And they would do, like, half local cast, half people from New York. So it was part of the Prather Entertainment group. They have the Broadway Palm Dinner Theater in Florida. They have the Dutch Apple Theater. They also, in Pennsylvania, they also do a national tour. And then they had the Arizona Theater at the time, which they no longer do. But, um... But, and so, like, getting to hear the stories from everyone, and everyone had their advice, and everyone had their, oh, you have to go to this part of town, and a lot of people lived in Astoria or Washington Heights, and so I got to know the neighborhood, sort of, of what was going on, and and it was exciting. I got a job at a temp agency right away. I started, I remember I moved here, I think it was a Monday or a Tuesday. Um, I lived with my cousin and his wife, the only two people I knew in New York City, aside from my few friends. Um, I lived with them in Washington Heights for a few weeks before moving to Williamsburg and started working immediately, I think the Monday after. I don't think I was there even in the city for a week for um, for a temp agency and just nice. started working right away and all that. Were they lenient and allowed you to like audition if you wanted to? Or? Very much so. It was a great temp agency um, called Forest Staffing Solutions. Look them up. Ask for Gail. Let them know Jensen sent you. Um, she's a former dancer, and she understands that life. And it was almost all musical theater kids that oh, worked cool. for her. There's a lot of kids from like um, Oklahoma State. Or University of Oklahoma. I know it's dangerous to mix up those two. <laughs> so they were from one of the great Oklahoma schools. Um, but it was like all these musical theater kids. And so you would show up and it would just be all of their kids. And she would say, she says, if you have a callback, you're allowed to call out. But if you just have an audition, nope. If you're already scheduled, sorry, you can't call out for that one. So she yeah, was really that's, lenient. That's fair. Yeah, it was very fair. And I was like, okay. She's like, plan your life accordingly. Let me know what days you can work. What other odd jobs did you have when you first started out? I did that. What else? I did a ton of temping. Um, I worked at the... After being here for a little bit, I worked at Grey Dog. Mm-hmm. Um, down Which in one? All four. All four? We used to work at, so it used to be just three before Carmine reopened. And so we used to work in Chelsea, Soho, and uh, University Place, what, uh, Union Square. And so you would hop around to all three. Then they opened the fourth one. And I worked, I think, the first or second shift of that. Of that. Um, and opened that one. And by the time, then they realized, like, oh, four is a lot for people. So now it's two and two. Okay, not I bad. believe. Yeah. Good food there. I haven't been there in a while. Really good food. I really and just fun people. And it's still like I like in my college we didn't have a sorority or fraternity, but for me that was kind of my New York fraternity. Sure. Like there was almost like a bit of an initiation process and then you had like but they were your people and he loved to hire Dave the owner, loves to hire artists and creative people and fully understands like you work hard, you do your thing. And if you need time off, like I got a tour. And so I was like, I have to leave for two months. I got it last minute. And he's like, have fun. See you when you get back. Because That's he good. liked the way I worked and all that. And it was it was really, really, really amazing. So you come as a musical theater person. Mm-hmm. How did opera come into your life? Um, because I... So opera came into my life um, with an audition for... I saw on Playbill, Metropolitan Opera needs boys to march in Aida for as supernumeraries and supernumerary is a super fancy word that means that's essentially non-singing actors in an opera so i went to this audition where we literally had to walk across the floor like i had been in the city for six months (laughs) walk across the floor march left right left go and you would get in these groups and you would march and that's all you had to do was walk left right left and it was astonishing how many people couldn't do that so they picked the, the half like about half of us stayed and a half got released and they said great you start rehearsal in 10 minutes like Go grab a drink or whatever, because get ready, because we're going to rehearsal. We went right into rehearsal, went right on stage at the Met, 
and started doing this. That's and I remember insane. it was amazing. And so I worked with them for five years on and off. Um, and I recently just had to turn down a few shows because of other work stuff, which makes me sad. But it's good to know that I always kind of have a place there. I get paid to, you know, not sing on stage at the Metropolitan Opera. You get to stand there and walk. It's the best show. It's the best seat in the house. It truly is the best seat in the house. And I get to know these operas. And and they use so many people consistently. It's like this, like we're all the, all the guys together. We're like this little brotherhood. I also came out during that time. And a lot of like old show queens work there. Mm-hmm. And I kind of got my like education Truly, of like they're like this is Barbara, this is Judy, this is Liza. Listen to this, watch this, look at this clip, and we're pulling up YouTube clips, and they're telling me the stories because they were a lot of them were like club kids back in the eighties and nineties. They're like, oh, we used to go here and there. They have stories about the AIDS crisis. They have stories about like what it used the old days. What you know, one guy was there. He was like, I was not. He says I was there during during the whole Stonewall riots. Like, so you to get this like firsthand experience while waiting to go on in Carmen is like was just such a cool, amazing time. That's amazing. Yeah. So I think a theme that we're learning is that you have held many jobs. Absolutely. Um, and it's not unique to have like an actor find themselves mm-hmm. uh, falling into new theatrical career paths. Yes. How did you fall into company management? I was duped. Um, it was a full bait and switch. Um, my, I hope that my old boss Coughlin is listening to this. Because it was. <laughs> Let's admit it. It was. So I send in a headshot and resume because the national tour of How the Grinch Stole Christmas the Musical is looking for a press Grinch. The press Grinch is to get into full Grinch and go to various hospitals, hockey games, after school programs, libraries, blah, 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 and be the Grinch. You'd have to be able to travel on your own, read the story to the kids, be appropriate in public, like all that kind of basic stuff of like, can we hire you, trust you to put put on your makeup yourself, be responsible enough to get up, because sometimes you have to get up at 4 a.m. to be ready in full drag by 6. Like, it happens. And to get yourself to and from on these flights. And anyway, so I go to this interview. Um, it was on Halloween. I was working at Grey Dog. I was dressed like a cowboy, because it was Halloween. And uh, Mark Johnson, the general manager for Big League at the time, says, he sits me down. Um, and I told or I get an email that says, hi, we want to interview you. Can you come in today? I was like, well, yeah, but I'm dressed like a cowboy <laughs> and he's like okay i was like okay cool like just everyone's away like i don't have time to go home and change because i was getting off of work at that time um and he said anyway so i go to the interview he explains the job to me and then he says towards the end oh we might help you might need to help out in the office here and there with a couple little like admin stuff but that's just because we have nothing else for you to do and you're going to be on the road and i was like okay great cool so that was on the thursday on he says great show up to the office on monday you're on a plane to texas the monday after that with the whole cast and so I joined the company of How the Grinch Stole Christmas the Musical. And Monday I went into the office and I said, should I bring a computer? He's like, yeah. So I brought my computer and they're like, great, do the following things. I had no idea what I was doing. They're like, make this very complicated spreadsheet. And I was like, good. I took my computer. I went to Grey Dog and cried and held my computer and said, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to lose this job. It's the most money I've ever made. I can't lose this job. And my friend, I think his name is Derek. Derek comes up to me and he goes, you know, I was like an engineering major in college. Like, I know Excel inside, outside, upside down. And he sat with me and broke down the entire thing and, like, helped me make this crazy spreadsheet and essentially saved my job. I'm forever indebted to him. And and anyway, go on tour and wound up being the associate, the assistant company manager who sometimes put on the Grinch costume and ran around and did that. And Insane. it was great, but it was, it was, it was more of a... I have natural people skills. I'm good working with people. Getting 59 people through, you know, from one place to another, that includes 
buses and trains and airplanes and security and tickets and all that stuff is like weirdly exciting to me. Mm -hmm. And it's not something you realize until you're thrown into the deep end. And so, and I, and the whole time I just kept on thinking you, you have to do this because this is the most money you've ever made. Like you can't screw this up. So yeah. So I did that for four years for, for Christmas seasons. Um, and one, especially my third year, I think I spent a third of the time away from the cast but doing Grinch, doing full, mm-hmm. full Grinch performances and, and reading the books to the kids and doing everything. It was great. I loved it. What was life like on the road? It's so much fun. It's easy to get sucked into this weird little bubble. Like within the course of a week. Within, in a week, you're like, I have money. I'm eating out for every meal. Let's go to the ball. I'm going to spend money on this and that. You, I always gained at least 15 pounds. Because I would just, because it's a stressful job as well, sure. and I'd be like, oh, let me just, let me eat, and you, and you kind of eat mindlessly. You don't, you have, you put zero thought into eating. Sometimes you're like, I just need food in my belly because I'm starving, and, um, and so I always gained 15 pounds. I always spent too much money, and but I made amazing friends, and I had a great time, and I got to see the country. Truly, I got to what see the country. What was your favorite favorite city that you visited? Seattle. Why? I it was it was within. 30 minutes of me being there, I thought, I can move here. I could absolutely move here. It very much feels like New York. We were kind of more downtown Seattle. So it feels like New York. It has that like big city vibe, but it's also kind of funky and weird and really good food and really fun people. And we would go out and feel accepted where you're going. And I don't know, it was just really, it's really gay friendly. It's, it's campy. It's funny. It's silly. You know, Yeah. it's great. Now, when you were doing your press um, mm-hmm. appearances, did you ever scare the children? My goal was to never scare a child. A lot of parents would push their kids towards me and be like, oh, take a picture with the Grinch. And if the kid's freaking out, I would say, it, it's fine. Like, you really don't have... Like, and I never once wanted to traumatize a child. Of course. And I was always in the, under the impression of, like, if ever I know a kid is in earshot, I have to be in full character no matter what. And I... Yeah, and I would wave and kind of like a wave was okay, but a lot of the times they would, you know, be like, I'm, I'm okay from over here. And I would fully respect that. I would never like run up to a child and be like, hey, how are you? Unless he was like so excited. That was a lot of fun because it was funny to see how the different kids reacted. I'll never forget, in the same day, there were two girls, probably about two to three years old each. One was sitting next to me. We were doing like pictures at like the Santa thing. I'm sitting in the big chair and she was in this cute little pink vest and little pigtails and her mom said we are being very brave right now she's being real brave can i just get a picture with you guys i was like got it so i stood there i sat there really still really quietly she stood there and so the mom was taking her sweet time getting the iphone out and she pulls out her phone and i just turned her and i said hello and the little girl like a cartoon like streams (laughs) of tears come out burst into tears crying and i like gave like a shrug to the mom and the mom took the picture and started laughing. She's like, that's our Christmas card. That's the funniest thing I've ever seen. I said, I'm so sorry. She's like, no, no, it's the funniest thing. And then like the next, like later that day, I had to go to like a Pottery Barn Kids and do something there. And I'm there like, and they're like, oh, let's get funny pictures of you at like a tea, with a tea set. I think it was in Spokane. And so let's do a funny thing of you and like with a tea set. So I do this whole bit with like a tea set. And all of a sudden, this little girl wanders over to me, sits down, and her and I are having a full-on tea party. And her mother goes, what are you doing? Like, her mother, did, like, lost track of her. The next time she sees her, she's sitting with a monster at a tea party. And this little girl was, fine. 100% like, oh, you're a person to have tea with. Come here. And it was just, it's so fascinating to see the kids, because you get those, like, cool, like, badass 10-year-olds that have not, they're like, uh-uh, nope, I'm not falling for this. 
It's great. It's it's amazing. Now, I want to ask you how you created your version of the Grinch. My version. So I watched Stephen Carl do it, and for those who don't know, Stephen Carl, if you've ever watched the show Lazy Town, okay, it's a weird like it's from Iceland. He's from Iceland, and he plays this guy named Robbie Rotten. So like we would get a lot of his fans, like super fans from that show, and he has a very distinct way of talking because at the time he smoked like two packs a day. He's from Iceland. He could do all these tricks where he like made it sound like his teeth were cracking. It's the oh. craziest thing. I've ever seen in my life and he could do it all the time and he makes all these noises and does these snarls and and I can't do that. And so mine was a mix between like Jim Carrey slash like a bad Richard Nixon impression. Okay. And my thought process was, because I wasn't the Grinch going through the journey, the, the journey happened. Now he's like still figuring it out. He's like, oh, I'm, my heart's grown and I'm nice. And he's a little self-absorbed with himself. Like I was at like like a lot like Sharon Needles of like booze or just applause from ghosts. Like when when people boo me, I was like, oh, thank you. And I would always say because I would do a lot of things with like various Miss Americas or Miss you know whatever town we're in, and I would always be like, oh, it's so good to be the finally it's good to be the beautiful one in the group, and make like those dumb jokes about how beautiful I was and and fat ladies love the Grinch and I don't know what it's about and I would they'd be like you're fabulous and like you're gorgeous honey and we would just like feed this really yeah. fun energy off of each other and old ladies would get very flirty with the Grinch it was just always it was like this 1920s almost I don't know it was a lot of fun just to be like hey dollface how you doing today and they giggle and so you said that you were duped into uh-huh. company management yes and it was clearly a life-changing experience mm-hmm. for you Tell me how you ended up at a gunquit. So I, after my, on, during my fourth year of Grinch, was that I did the least amount of press. And I was in the office the most with Coughlin, my boss at the time. And he and I, after four years, have a great repertoire. Like, he and I, we get each other. We can get into a city, not say anything, and go straight to work and know exactly what we're doing. And he and I get along great in that way. We work really, really well together. Um... And so by my fourth year, I was like, I know what I'm doing. Like, I can actually do this. And he was very busy because they had to do, he was very financially minded. And we had other tours out at the time. And he would take care of a lot of their financials. And so I was taking, my fourth year, I took a lot more on than I did my previous three years. And he said, like, I really appreciate that. Like, you're doing really well. And I thought to myself, you know, maybe this is for me. Maybe this is something that I can do. I love working with people. I love traveling. I love theater. Let's kind of see if I can make this happen. And so I um, applied, or I was looking at Playbill.com. I was home come come January. I was home January 2017. Um, and I was looking around on Playbill.com and needed company manager and assistant company manager. And I thought to myself, like, let's do it. And so I applied initially for assistant company manager and said, hey, I have a lot of experience. I know this might be much, but... If I'm, if I, if you see, I might be considered, you know, if my resume, if it makes sense for me to do company manager, that'd also be, you know, I'd be up for that as well, but here's my stuff. So I apply, I go through, they say, yes, well, actually we're going to go with assistant company manager for you. I was like, that's totally fine. And so I went through the whole interview process and it was taking a while. Um, and I was like, okay, well, there's only two positions available. And then come to find out they hired me on as associate company manager. So they actually expanded the department because the theater is growing so much. Sure. So they expanded the department to where now there's three. So the company, the associate, and then the assistant. And so I was initially originally hired on as associate company manager for the 2017 season. Um, 
And yeah, it all worked out great. We had an amazing company manager, Joyce Prasuti. The assistant was Sal Bucci, who eventually became associate company manager as well. Both of us were equal associates because we both did a ton of work. And he did, his brain works perfectly for that very much like financial theater admin. And he's amazing with people. So it made 100% sense when they're like, oh, he's also the associate. I was like, of course he is. Because he's probably doing a better job than I am right now. Like, so it was just, it was a great, yeah, it was a really great time. So how long were you away from New York? I was away, I left April 10th. 2017 and I my last day there I flew out of the Boston airport because the main airport that we used um, on December 23rd and so I was there for nine solid months it's a long time a very long time it was amazing long time but it's still like a long it's a long time adjusting going from Manhattan New York City I lived in East Harlem for three and a half years and I moved to a town of 900 people into an old motel it's crazy and it was like, I remember first day being like, what have I done? What am I doing here? And it, cause it just snowed the day before. And I was like, it's snowy, it's cold. I'm in Maine. I was excited, but I was also like terrified. I didn't know, like, yeah. So you got to experience many seasons. All, all four seasons. It's which the first time in my life I've ever had all four seasons. New York kind of counts, but not really. Sure. Which was your favorite to experience? The summer there is amazing. Summer, but like August. Because, so... We learned that April showers bring May showers, <laughs> which then eventually brings June showers. And the day before you want to kill yourself, it becomes sunny. So like mid-June, it finally stops raining. And then, so we have June, July is gorgeous and beautiful. And then August, it was just sunny. And sunny and bright, and the water was finally warm. That's the thing, is the water is so cold there. And it probably wasn't until, I didn't fully like get in the ocean above my knees until August. Damn. And I went to the beach every single weekend. It was just kind of hang out. You put your feet in and be like, well, I can't feel my ankles. So I'm going to go back over to the over to the beach and lay out for a minute. Yeah. What? So what was the season this year? So this season this year, uh, we started off with Mamma Mia. They did a seven-week run. So it's the longest I've ever had runs. So at the Ogunko Playhouse, um, we also celebrated the 85th anniversary. So it was a big year. We had a huge gala towards the end of the year. It was so much fun. It was fantastic. And we um, started the 85th season with a seven-week run of Mamma Mia. Typically, in the past, it was originally 10 weeks, 10 shows. Like just bing, bang, boom, get them in, get them out. And then it's been expanded to, you know, a few weeks for this show and a few weeks for that show. And now every show is four weeks. And so Mamma Mia went to five weeks for the first time. Seven weeks, sorry. Went to seven weeks. And um, then they had two weeks of rehearsal as well. So that cast was up there for a little over two months. Damn. Yeah, they were up there for like two months exactly. Um, and it was it was great. It was a lot of fun. It was a blast of a show. So we started with Mamma Mia. Then we did Bullets Over Broadway. After that, we went into a phenomenal production of Ragtime that I like, still can't get over. After that was the brand new musical Heartbreak Hotel. Um, it was kind of the world premiere. They had done a smaller production in L.A., but this was the first like large, large production they've done of that. And then we did From Here to Eternity, the musical. That had been done at the merry-go-round um, the season before, and then they had brought it and updated it and souped it and fixed things and I think a new book writer came on at one point and in between those two productions and all that stuff and then we ended the season we finished at the playhouse itself um, because it's an 
an old theater that was built 85 years ago. It's not properly winterized at the moment just because it's so much, so much of it is original. And so we went down to the Portsmouth Music Hall in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. It's about 20 minutes away. And we did White Christmas there. Oh, fun. Oh, so beautiful. And it's just like this old school, like almost like one of those like old opera houses that existed in these old colonial towns because that's what they had to entertain themselves. And ugh, it was so beautiful. It was Do great. you have a favorite of this season? My favorite, pick a favorite? my, I mean, they're, I love them all so much in different ways, and they all had the most amazing people. The show that I watched the most was Mamma Mia. I would watch that show, like, twice a week. Are you excited? I don't know why. Are you excited for the sequel? I'm so excited for the sequel, because it's just gonna, like, I don't know. I figure with Mamma Mia, you can either choose to love it or choose to hate it, and why not just choose to love it? Have you heard Cher sing Fernando? I've heard the, the trailer with Cher singing Fernando. I, you know what? And they, they give an origin story to her overalls. That's genius. Of course. Like, it's going to be... Uh, I love but Christine Baranski. It's also that, funny ugh. that we're all okay that we've killed Meryl Streep. Oh, that's the thing. We've killed Meryl She's Streep. She's fully dead. There's no she's way. I watched, the, I watched it again recently, and I was like, oh my gosh. Like, there's no way Meryl Streep is alive. No, she's dead. She's dead. She's only there in flashback. They couldn't, they couldn't afford Meryl Streep for the second I one? I know. Which is funny. fair, but at the same time, like... Okay, but it's all younger Meryl, you know, it's... Of course. I'm kind of annoyed that they didn't get a Gummer to play younger Meryl. Because they look exactly the same. I mean, that, that would be good. But, you know... Can they sing? Can they... Who cares anymore? I mean, Pierce Brosnan can't <laughs> sing, so, Pierce I mean, Brosnan cannot sing. That's... It, it's painful. It's painful, <laughs> folks. If anyone defends him... Go away. Go away. She, she was probably filming the post at the time, and she's probably. like, "I can't go to Greece and film this." I I love it. It's it's a it's a silly. Sh- it's not art. It's not Sondheim. It's no. not deep. It's just Mamma Mia. It's just Mama let Mia. it. And it's great music. It's great music. It gets caught in your head forever. It's great. That I Waterloo was the song that I had caught in my head that from that one. Yeah. I had Waterloo stuck in my head for two months solid. I didn't mind it. Who it's cares? A, it's a good one. Yeah. All right. So what? Are, tell us some stories. What are there? So some fun stories. Things? Um, it was so. So Mamma Mia was directed by Larry Rabin and then Ricky Hines um choreographed it. Ricky Hines is the associate choreographer for Come From Away, and so I remember at one point he we had to take him down. He had to leave for a minute um for a few days to go down to help set the Tony Awards for for Come From Away. They had to like rehearse, you know, set all that. Um. And they were, it was a fantastic creative team. I remember being so much fun and just the buzz of like, we're opening a show. Like, here we go. This is the first time we're doing it. It was stressful. It was exciting, but it was so much just excitement of like, we've got this show coming up and we're going to, you know, we're putting on a show guys. And so it was the first one of the season and it was so exciting to just put it up and to have an opening night and to really just start the season and get to meet everybody and work together and get to see that full process come around. Um, so that's what I love about Mamma Mia. In that cast was Jodie Langle was our Donna. She is Florida-based right now, but she was in New York. She was in, I believe, Les Mis, Cats, Joseph Tour, and then that Martin Gruyere Tour. Oh, God. From the back of the day. She was in that. Oh, God. Like, she was in that tribe of people. So she now lives in Florida and teaches, uh, has a great thing, and phenomenal voice. Great, great, great. Angie Schwer, mm-hmm. who works, who's been in every show on Broadway, ever, in the past 20 years. Yeah. Truly. This woman works constantly. She hasn't had, like, a day off. Who did she play? She was our Tanya. Of course. And was genius. She was amazing. Um, our Kate Chapman was our Rosie, though. She, and she even said, I remember in an interview that she did in some talk back, she says, I do a show once a year whether or not I like it. <laughs> and that was, we were the show that year. And she was hysterical. She found, I kept on going back to watch her. 
because she found new moments, especially during Take a Chance. There's one point where she would like, she would do this whole like slinky thing where she would like go on the proscenium and like slink down to the ground. And then she had to get up and she was like, she so she'd be like, is it on me? Take a chance on me. Like as she was getting yeah. up, she was like grunting as she'd get... The audience lost Choices. it. Every time. It was so funny. And she, it was funny, like, going to a show and seeing that all of a sudden, and I'm losing it, even though I've seen her do it right. 12 times. Um, the guys, the three adult guys that we had, Fred Inkley, Broadway's Fred Inkley, who had done a million things. He was um, Bill, the, the Australian. David Engel, fantastic L.A.-based actor. He was Harry. And then we actually had Patrick Cassidy as our Sam. Oh, nice. Which was really cool. That was really fun to work with him. He, and even he says this, he's like a giant teenager. He's just, he's just like that fun, stupid older brother that you're like, oh, Patrick. And he was a blast to work with. It was so much fun. And I'll never forget, I, um, his family came out to visit and I went to the Boston airport to pick him up. And, and his wife is like, oh, can, do you mind if I make a call? Like, grandma's watching the dog. So I'm going to let her know that we got in. We got, we're on our way there. And so she, so she calls, he's on speakerphone because the two sons are in the back seat. And he goes, okay, say hi to grandma. And they're like, hi, grandma. She goes, hi, Shirley Mae. How are you? And I was like, Oh shit! That's yeah. Shirley Jones. Yeah, yeah, Shirley Jones is on the phone right now. Like this is really cool. Like it's so fun to be in that and just they. I mean, that's some Hollywood royalty. Of course. And Patrick has just these. He would tell these fun stories about about his childhood and growing up and being the son of Shirley Jones and like you can't like that's amazing. Yeah. It was great. That cast was a ton of fun. The ensemble was so much fun. They were just. They weren't, I would expect, I, a part of me was expecting them to be like crazy party ensemble kids. And they weren't. They were so fun. Shocking. Professional and put on a show every night. Just like full, full tail boogie show. A blast. So yeah. I love that about Mamma Mia. Bullets was a lot of fun. Um, it had, it was the original staging and production of the Broadway cast. Mm-hmm. So we had Jeff Whiting come in, who was Susan Stroman's go-to associate um, director and choreographer and so he came in and set it up for us and it was so beautiful and those william might be long costumes and a lot of the non-actor cast came in oh cool um to do mainly the ensemble roles and the girl who played olive from the non-actor Gemma jane she came in was hysterical brought the house down amazing um michelle ragusa was our helen who's been in a million broadway shows she's phenomenal she was our helen and then we had vince pastore from the broadway cast he came in and was amazing as well. He was his original role. He came in and reprised that role. Um, and the coolest guy in the world. Just so chill. So cool. And then Reed Campbell played our Cheech. Reed Campbell has done a lot of regional stuff. I think he's done. he was on the Nice Work If You Can Get It tour. I don't believe he's done any Broadway yet. He's going to be a gigantic star when it takes off. Truly. He is so talented. Because he's like the coolest guy on earth. And there was times I was legitimately scared of him. Like, as a human, I was, yeah. like, I was like, don't be mean. Like, so cool. That choreography with that tap number they have. Did you see it when it was running on I Broadway? I didn't get a chance to. It's not the best show. No. Like, that, like, it's not the best show. But there was that one tap number that they did on the Tonys, which doesn't make sense out of context. Sure. On the Tonys, it looks weird. But, like, in the context of the show, brought the house down every single time. Absolutely amazing. But I'm fully burying the lead because that was the show that we had the one, the only, legend star and icon, Sally Struthers. All right. I would take a bullet for Sally Struthers. I think the absolute world of her. She truly is a phenomenal human being. And some people I w- people were like, oh my gosh, what if she's this? What if she's that? And I was expecting, I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting a kind, genuine, giving human being. 
on in every sense of the word. We were able to be there. It was her her birthday. What happened while we were up there? So we got to throw her a birthday sweet. party, and she was just so fun and kind. I remember one time I was like, Sally, I have a question, and I struck this little pose where like. I don't know, like, imagine you're, like, you put your hand under your chin like you're posing for a picture in, in fourth grade, like one of those. And she was like, oh, what's your question? And then she po- does another little pose. <laughs> and I was like, well, I want to know. And I started changing it. And so her and I are doing these weird poses back and forth to each other while we're having an actual conversation. Neither of us saying that we're doing, like, it was just the funniest thing. And then we finished, like, okay, see you later, bye, and left. And That's none fun. of us were like, oh, my gosh, you're doing poses? I'm doing poses. Like, we just went with it and then left. It was, she is a sweetheart and I, and perfect, like truly the most professional woman I've ever met. And I was like, that doesn't exist anymore. Like to be getting a thank you note from her to the company management department. I just want to let you guys know how much, you know, thank you so much for everything you've done for me. I love where I'm staying. I love the, this, that, the other, everything is great. Just to get that handwritten note from someone, like I, it made me think, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to start doing that. Like that says so much about a person Yeah, and it's. And she's the queen of that. She's phenomenal. Only the best thing. I am obsessed with her. She truly is. Like, if you see Sally Struthers, and she's hysterical on stage. Brings the house down. Finds those funny moments, and then she, like, drags it out for as long. She plays with it. You know, she'll push the envelope of, like, how long can I drag this out? But in a really funny, good way. And she's been doing a show there every year for the past, I think, 16 or 17 years. Oh, nice. And... The audience, the, the town loves her. Now, does she get to pick the show, or no? They they like... have a season, and I think they keep in mind like, what? oh, this might be a Sally show, that might be it. like that would be a good role because I, from what I've heard from next season, there's a couple of shows that she could possibly go into, cool. and of course, what works with her schedule, what works with this, but I think she, she loves the town. The town loves her. It's just wonderful, it re- and she knows how to be on in a good way out in public. You'll see her at a restaurant and she's on in a fun way and she's talking to the people, but she's not like obnoxious or annoying. Yeah. She she knows that people are like, oh my gosh, it's her. Like it was one time her and I had to run to a CVS to do something. I was weird. Anyway, one place to another and I was driving for some reason. And um, so she, the woman at the front counter, she goes, oh my gosh, have you been told you look like, she? and Sally goes, shh, shh. She says, it's me. But in the way he's like, oh my gosh, I won't tell anybody. Sally's like, thank you. <laughs> because Sally, she's like, I'm not in the mood today to like, be on and do all that right. but it was just i was like oh that's a really smart way to like be like shh, shh, our little secret i was like that's really smart that's cute so it was it was a lot you'll, of fun. you'll use that when you're famous right? and i'll use that when i'm famous everyone when you're famous use that just keep it a little make it a little secret between you and someone they'll, <laughs> they'll be exciting what other stories can you share what other stories can i share i just oh what else um bullets was a blast Bullets was a ton of fun. The One of the hardest things about this this particular job, and I know they're looking for new, I'm not able to go back this season. Um, I've chosen, my life is going to go in some different directions. And so I've decided, you know, maybe company management's not for me at the moment right now. And I see that they're hiring for the new season. And if I have any word of advice, is that like, know that you will, it is very much a roller coaster. You will go through the highest highs and the lowest lows and the most stress and zero stress at all. And you will go through all of that within the course of days. And during the changeover um, is really tough. So when they finish one show, one show closes on a Saturday. Sunday, the one cast leaves and another one shows up. They're out by 8 a.m., new cast in by 3 o'clock. 3 p.m., they're on stage doing sound check by 7. So the whole thing has to be struck. Right. The entire thing is out by 7 o'clock um, the next day. 
And so then we go from, so then they have sound check that night. Then Monday, 10 out of 12, Tuesday, 10 out of 12, Wednesday, all morning show that night. And we have crew working round the clock, literally. We have someone at that building 24 hours for those few days in a row. And we have to feed them. And mm-hmm. we are breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we have food for our late night people. And leftover, we would take part of our dinner and put it over for the leftovers, you know, for them. And and so it's it's long hours. You're pulling, you know, when, when changeover starts, I, you start pulling 15 hour days. And you're doing at least 12 to 15 hours a day for five days in a row. That's a lot. And that's after you just worked a full week. And then, so you go, and then the crew goes even a day longer. They go for 14 days without a break. And including, you know, putting up the show and taking down the show and teching the show. Because that's what they're doing during the 10 out of 12s is teching everything. And it's a lot. It's a lot of show to put up. And I, I hope it's something that the theater considers in the future is having a longer break for that. Because they are doing more new shows. And they're doing more new um original works you need a longer tech process for that you know because you're not you know with bullets over broadway was our our, was our only one that essentially came out of a box you know we had all the costumes all the sets all the everything from broadway national tour all that kind of stuff we kind of all just like put it together and so that would have been our smoothest in that respect but everything else you know you're going there and all of a sudden the costume designer says nope that doesn't look good change this that and the other and then you have to change everything yeah so with new shows and new productions you that you know a longer tech process would be much appreciated (laughs) are you still pursuing life on the stage kind of yes no i am taking i'm taking a small break i'm currently doing stand-up comedy classes because i need my brain to work in a different way i'm going to be performing at the gotham comedy club on the 21st um as my class graduation i have entire five minutes to fill very excited about it it's gonna be fun um yeah it's gonna be a blast so yes and no and figuring out what is it that i actually want where do i where do i truly fit in this giant machine that is the world i guess i don't know how has theater changed since you came to new york um i've been here for six years and what i love is now i know people on stage, backstage. You know, my first year, if anyone even like went to two Broadway shows in the same day, I would have been like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. Like you do everything. But to know friends who were like, oh, I got a call time. You know, to like last night I went to go see SpongeBob and a friend of mine is in the cast. He's like, let's go backstage afterwards. And he's like, he's like, do you want to stand at zero on the, at the stage of the Palace Theater and have your little Judy Garland moment? And I was like, absolutely. And I fully stood center stage at the Palace, just kind of had like, was there. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. And the fact that I have friends who are, the fact that I have friends that are in costuming, in wardrobing, in management, in on stage, backstage, orchestra, like that's truly how the connections are made. Don't just idolize actors and don't just say, oh my gosh, my friends, you know, she's a chorus kid in this show or that show. Get to know someone. There, when I would do Grinch, there were you only saw twenty three people on stage at most when the whole cast was on. Not knowing there were 59 people that had to be there for that show to make it work. Including tutors, parents, um, backstage, understage, management, the everybody. Every orchestra. Every single per All 59 people have to exist. And when you realize that, you realize, oh my gosh, there's so many more places for everyone to fit when this happens. Yeah. So in the age of consumerism on Broadway, mm-hmm. what have you learned doing a summer stock style season that you wish you can implement in the New York 
city theater scene. I wish I wish there were more risks. I wish there were safe is fun. But I don't know, our ragtime that we did. It was directed by Seth Sklarhain and Jesse Robb did the choreography and there were, it was risky. It was different. It was a little there were really cool lighting moments and there were the set was this giant movable wall. Like that was it with like tables and chairs and stuff brought on when needed, but but that doesn't, you know, everything today is so automated and beautiful and it's not I need I need just to know a little bit, you know. Too cookie cookie cutter. I need it's a little too cookie cutter for me. I need like in Fun Home they say, um, look at the um, when they talk about the mark, like where, during the first song, he says, "Where's the master's mark or the the maker?" And I was like, "You need, you need that mark. You need to know that there's something not scruffy or wrong or broken, but just enough to be like, oh, that's right. I'm watching live theater. I'm watching something that can't be seen twice. This can't be seen twice. What exactly what I'm watching right. can't be seen twice. And though it's beautiful that it, and you can see it twice at the same time, I don't know. It just." I feel like there's the risk isn't there anymore. It's all covered in bubble wrap and painted with sparkles and I don't know. That's fair. You know. So we're gonna move into like the fun random question. Okay, great. Let's do it. Are you more of a Grinch or a Scrooge? Oh, I'm a Grinch. Grinch is fun because Grinch learns and he's fun and yeah, I'm a Grinch. I love Grinch. What's your favorite show on Netflix currently? Currently, I'm watching Parks and Rec for the like hundredth time. I'm Do you on have season a seven. Character. I love Leslie Nope. I want Leslie Nope to be the president of the United States. If I and I would be okay if it was a team of writers and Amy Poehler, <laughs> go collectively elected to be Leslie Nope. I would be one hundred percent okay with that as a human being. Who are you rooting for this season on Drag Race? For all stars. Yep. I am. I'm Team Trixie Mattel. Of course. I love Trixie how Mattel could, so much. From what I've heard, I'm not sure if it's the spoilers, but from what I've heard from possible insider for information is possibly that Ben, I know, from, from what I hear, Ben de, ben de la Creme makes it far. But I still, it's it's Trixie's. And I think it's Trixie, Trixie knows that. Like, you watch mm-hmm. her and she's like, hold on, everybody, this is mine. Yeah. I A mean, little she's bit. definitely been the narrator so far. Absolutely. I think in the first 10 minutes of the episode that was released this week, mm-hmm. she's continuing to speak, and I think... Absolutely. It's her to lose. Absolutely. Because no one else is... The only other person of um, a pop vinyl is Alaska. Exactly. Yeah. Right? So. It's Alaska, Rue, and Trixie. Yeah. That's it. That's it. It has to be her. What queen that you've yet to see live do you want to see live? I want to see... I want to see Ben de la Creme live. I would love to see her live show. She was at the beach, man. I, I guess well, yes. a year, two years ago now. Because she had Inferno Go Go. Inferno Go Go, so uh, brilliant. I I'm genuinely kicking myself that I didn't see that. It was so good. I know. Who will be playing you in the movie about your life, and what is it called? Um, will be playing me. I will be playing me now, and then Bradley Cooper will play an older me. Um, and the story of my life, it would probably just be called like first name last, last name first. Okay. Because like, that's the one question everyone's like, is it Clifford Jensen? Jensen Clifford? What? What? What is that? I was like, Ugh. West Coast or East Coast? West Coast. All right. I do like. Oh, I, I love the West Coast a lot. So now we're gonna do the pop five rapid fire. So I'm gonna give okay. you five pop culture things. Okay. And you can give me like a sentence, a phrase, whatever comes to your mind. Okay. A story, whatever you want. Just respond to it. Okay. Number one is Celebrity Big Brother. I, uh, Ross Matthews. 
Yeah. That I, I I will actually I will listen to his podcast. You listen to his podcast, Straight Talk I with don't. Ross. I've been listening to it for since the first episode for like three or three or four years now. Um, I will tune in because of him fully. Him and Marissa Jarrett Winoker, and I want to see them together. They should because they're going to be best friends. They should make an alliance with Shannon Elizabeth. Okay, yeah. Um, because... Against Amorosa. Everyone against her. Everyone against but, her. But um, there is a natural um, bond between Marissa and Shannon. Oh. Because they both were in the scary movie, first one. Oh, that's right. And they were both in the same season of Dancing with the Stars. Oh, okay. So we'll see. We'll okay, see. I think I think they're going to get... I, they're either going to be best friends or worst enemies, but yeah. I know they're going to be best Ross friends. I think Ross Matthews has a very good shot of winning. I think he does as well. Number two is Ed Sheeran. I genuinely, I, I, he does, I, I'm in love with your money. Yeah, That's him. That's the only thing I know about him. That, and he's a redhead. Um, I heard about all the Grammys. I didn't watch one episode, one second of the Grammys, except for the Patty video later, because um, I'm that gay. But, he, fine, okay, sure, why not? But you're not, you, other people gave out, did better albums. Yeah. Personally, I feel. But, yeah. Number three, SpongeBob the Musical. Saw it last night. I enjoyed it. It's fun. Here's here's the thing that okay. One more thing I want to change about Broadway. Have every show maybe have a beginning, a middle, and an end. I don't know. That's a lot. Sp- to ask. SpongeBob had that, and I was really pleased because I saw a whole bunch of shows for a while that I was like, nothing's happening, nothing's going on. What's there's no you missed. There, how does this end? And so to to see a show that had a beginning, a middle, and end that was funny, that was clever. I wish they made more references to the look of the actual cartoon characters. I understand for legal reasons maybe they couldn't. Sure. There's one point where they have like little dolls of like SpongeBob and Sandy, and I was like, well, I wish they had like a sponge and a squirrel. Right. Like, like we get the joke. Like, yeah. But I'm afraid that everyone who doesn't, who isn't familiar with that universe of characters, will have no idea what anyone is supposed to be on stage. Okay. You know. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm yeah. excited to. It's a ton of fun. It's fun and silly and great. That's I love all that. you need sometimes. That's all you need. Number four is Kim Kardashian's Bo Derek braids. I try not to give her any energy at all. I, I'm genuinely indifferent. Like, okay, yeah, I'm not surprised. Sure. Probably, yeah. And she she called them Bo Derek braids, which I think she may have said to get herself out of cultural appropriation mm-hmm. because she's appropriating someone else who did cultural appropriation. But at the same time, learn what they actually are. Learn the reason behind them. Because they have a certain name. I was watching a thing about it. They're like, oh, they're actually called these kind of braids. And they're done for this reason. Had she been like, hey, guys, um, I know it's not my culture, but how cool is this? Maybe you would have gotten a little bit of a pass, but I just, I don't, I don't care. And speaking of people getting passes, number five is the State of the Union address. I watched Spongebob last night. I didn't I didn't watch one. What I learned today on Facebook is, according to NPR, he said a lie every four and a half minutes. Not bad. Which not is bad. not bad. That's a pretty good average. Yeah. I thought it would be like, what, four, what, four, 4.5 seconds. But yeah. 4.5 minutes? Okay, I can I can handle that. Uh, just, okay, can you leave now? We're done. It's We're time. done. We're done. Sashay away. Sashay away. Do you follow Dina Martina? I don't. At all? Do you know Dina Martina? Mm-hmm. Amazing. Hysterical. But like next level, like weird, crazy, like Katya slash Miranda sings kind of like artist. Um, and she, but she put a thing where it's like, where they had the caption says, waiting for Trump to leave the White House. And she, which she just, she took a picture of that, which with, underneath just said, hashtag me too. Like, aren't we all? We're just That's waiting true. for him to leave the White House. So 
I have my previous guest ask my next guest a question. Okay. So this is a question from Poppy. Wonderful. If you could go into the future and see drag, how would you describe it? Ooh. I would hope to describe it as... I would hope to describe it as... Fun for the whole family. In in that... So that's that's a lot of a sentence because I don't want it to be I don't want to sense like I would love for it to be on Disney to have people the fact that gender can be played with in so many ways and it's not a huge it doesn't need to be a giant discussion like yeah sometimes you feel like wearing a skirt sometimes you feel like painting your nails sometimes you feel like wearing a wig sometimes you feel like shaving your head like whatever like just kind of what I really want is for it to be accepted how it is I feel like so many people um like with Milk for season six. They're like, that's not drag. Milk's like, no, it is drag because it's crazy costumes and makeup. Yeah. It's not your drag, which is great. But like also don't hate someone for having different drag because I think drag kings are phenomenal. I once saw a drag king on tour in Oklahoma City. That was, it was funny because every gay boy in the cast was like, who is that? And they're like, this is a drag king. So and so we're like, that's a girl in a wig and like, and in a, like with makeup on, like we were, shocked and and though it's i'm not going to go out of my way to see a drag king show most of the time but i still love and appreciate just the artistry just appreciate the artistry of what these people are doing if they're putting artistry towards it now then there's a difference between smearing makeup on your face and saying i'm an artist like okay calm down queen but when you see someone like milk who's put amazing time effort energy into this crazy look at least appreciate it somewhat i don't know have you ever wanted to do drag? I have done drag. You have? I did. It was a couple of years ago. It was under the name Trixie Tanfield, which I stole from my mother. If I do it again, it'll either be Dixie Manfield, because that's funnier, or Ashley Furniture Home Store. That's funny. Because it's good. funny. It's funny. It's going to be stolen now, but it's funny. Um, I made $84. I still have a few of my drag pieces. It was in New York? or In New York, at the Stonewall. At Stonewall. Uh, at Stonewall. Ooh. Oh, I went full. A friend of mine was putting together a show. He used to do drag a lot back in the day. He was a former Miss Fire Island under the name Dakota Sue. Um, and he said, I want to do a show, but this one queen dropped out. And I don't have another queen to go with me. And I was like, I'll do it. And I did, at the time, Smash was big. Um, and I did the opening song from Smash, Let Me Be Your Star, with me in like a Megan Hilty look. And then with literally like a sock puppet with brown hair. To of be, course. Because... Catherine McPhee's a sock puppet. <laughs> um, and so I did a whole thing. Like, I did that. And it was just fun to, like, and have people laugh. And it was the first time that a friend of mine, he was like, you're, like, you can do stand-up. That's funny. Because we had to, like, fill for time. And that was interesting on your feet to just be thrown, like, great. Now do this. Do that. Um, it was a blast. I would love to do it again if it wasn't so much damn work. Yeah. And it's hot. No one tells you you're, like, wearing essentially a snowsuit the entire time. Yeah. Lots of layers. That's a lot of layers. It's a lot of layers, and you have a couch on you, mm-hmm. and long sleeves unless you want to shave your arms, and I don't want to shave every day on my face. Whatever. Yeah, it's a blast. So now is your turn to ask okay. my next guest a question. I want to ask your next guest, um, and this is blind, like I don't know who it is. Nope. Oh, okay, great. I want to at- let- ask them, if you could, would you rather... Have a conversation with yourself from 10 years ago or have a conversation with yourself from 10 years in the future? That's a good one. What, what would you have and why? 
I'm excited for the answer yeah. for this one. So if you've made it this far in the podcast, use hashtag Grinch Duped. <laughs> Where can we find you on social media? Hashtag Grinch Duped. Um, at Jensen Buddy. J-E-N-S-E-N-B-U-D-D-Y. On Instagram and Twitter. Snapchat, though I don't use it because I'm over 30 and I don't have to. <laughs> and then just Jensen Scott Clifford on Facebook. I'm literally the only one. And I friend just about everybody, so we might as well. Um, but yeah, at Jensen Buddy. Awesome. Well, make sure you follow him and see what he's up to. And thanks for doing this. You're welcome. It's been a blast. Thank you so much. A big thanks to Jensen for joining me. If you enjoyed the episode, consider supporting the podcast and Theater in the Now by becoming a patron. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterinthenow.com via our question link. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Mm-hmm.